Welcome to the Sister at Hour Conversations podcast. Our conversations here will be an extension of the weekly Sister at Hour Twitter chat that takes place every Wednesday at 1pm CAT. Join my guests and I as we delve into the topics that impact us as women and explore the unique and sometimes similar life journeys that we're all on. The emphasis of the show is to empower, share experiences, as well as the lessons. It is not about excluding men. They are welcome to join conversation by not only listening and subscribing to this podcast, but by also being part of the positive movement in society to encourage healthy relationships with each other as partners, fathers, brothers, and friends. Sisterhood Our Conversations is a space that belongs to us as women, where we can be real and honest about our experiences, the past and present ones, as we plan and move forward to where we want to go and achieve what we want to. Join Sisterhood Our Conversations, where as women we are learning and growing, we challenge the status quo as we change the narrative through action, conversation and empowerment. Enjoy the episode. today's episode of the Stuart Isle Conversations, the podcast, I'm joined by Zaijan Rochelle Yildirim. She describes herself as a unique combination of Black and Turkish, a philanthropist by profession and a humanitarian by heart. I first came across her page and work via the challenge accepted hashtag on social media, specifically on Instagram. Through another post by Seri Tilgreto, I learned the true meaning of the hashtag via posts from the American University Turkish Cultural Club. I reached out to Zaycan to not only talk about femicide in Turkey, but to also talk about how we can create a global community of willing women who can help and support one another, no matter where they are in the world. Enjoy the episode. That's fine. Yes. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yay. I'm so excited we're having this conversation. (laughs) Me too, finally. (gasps) Oh, my word. So let's jump straight into it. Um, Okay. Zaijan Yildirim. I'm pronouncing your surname correctly, right? As well. Yes. Oh, perfect. Welcome to Sisterhood Hour Conversations. I am so excited and so honored that you, you're joining us and we're having this conversation. Um, but before we get into why we're chatting, please do introduce yourself. I want to say thank you for having me. I'm really excited to share my journey and my stories mm-hmm. with you. My name awesome. is Zaytron Rochelle Gildrum. Mm-hmm. I'm half Turkish and half Black American. Mm-hmm. I was born in the United States. I moved to Turkey when I was about one and a half and stayed Mm -hmm. up until I was 16. Okay. And then I went to the U.S. for my last year of high school, all college, stayed there for a few more years, and then I returned to Turkey to run my family's corporate foundation. So now I'm the executive director of the Garip and Zaytan Yildirim Foundation, which belongs to my family's holding group, which focuses on a variety of different things and mm-hmm. different countries. Wow, that's that sounds really amazing. I think in in my mind I'm like, oh wow, you you like doing CSI work and it's and I've seen the post. I mean, I've I've been following a lot of what you've been doing even before we started speaking. Um the foundation work, it's it's really incredible and the focus areas have been education, health 
and um, culture. So let's start there. I mean, why is philanthropy so important to you? Philanthropy has always just been a way of life because at a mm. very early age, I realized I was gifted a lot. I was given a lot of resources and a lot of happiness. And growing up in a country like Turkey, where there's a big homeless population, I saw kids my age who were not as fortunate and it made me really sad. So any way that I could just include people into the conversation or into my group of friends or give an extra meal, I wanted to do that because I felt I was happy and I wanted to extend that happiness to others. Oh, wow. That's actually quite incredible. And for a young person to tap into that kind of feeling and that kind of emotion, I mean, that's a, that's a really big, that's a big thing. And I mean, it sounds like it's amazing for you and it changed your life in terms of your way of thinking and approaching life. It absolutely has. And in terms of the foundation work, I mean, education, health and culture are the three focus areas of the foundation. Um, what, what was it about those specific areas that made it necessary to work in as a foundation? I mean, from your personal perspective of what you've seen, but also identifying those things as an organization, as a foundation. I mean, what about those three, three things that stood out for you? The foundation was founded in 2015 and mm-hmm. I joined at the end of 2018. So okay. those three niches were already there. And when I joined, it was a little bit too broad for me. So I cut it down just to education. And I felt education was the best, the best path to focus on in Turkey, because Mm -hmm. um, our holding group had already built three schools for the Ministry of Education here. And we were not operating the schools, but we had a good connection to the schools. And we were already giving a lot of scholarships to university students. So I wanted to just continue on the path that they had already started and just Mm. expand on it because I truly Mm. believe an educated mind is what's going to change the future of every society. No, that's, that's very true. And in terms of education, I mean, a lot of the time we always think it's about the book smarts, um, but there's always that element of being aware about where we are, where we, um, whether it's you are in your own particular country or just as a global citizen. And one of the things that um, where I first came across your name was through the hashtag challenge accepted um, social media, the images and the conversation that was taking place there. And I remember when I first, um, when I first came across it, I was tagged to participate in the challenge and the, the hashtags that were coming across and some of the quotes that were, being introduced, um, I thought, oh, okay, this is, you know, what I believe in, in terms of women, being women for women, the empowerment aspects of things, the conversations that need to take place. And so I participated in the challenge and it was only, I think it was in the morning and only later on in the afternoon through Twitter and through somebody else, somebody else's post where I was educated on what actually was behind the challenge was behind the the hashtag and after reading about its origins and how it related to gender-based violence especially what was taking place in turkey that's when i was like okay i need to know more i need to learn more i need to share this with other people um so please tell us like more about what is happening to turkish women um how the challenge came into existence in relation to gender-based violence and how it's raising awareness to the plight of Turkish women. 
gender-based violence in Turkey is on the rise. I like to use mm. the term femicide. And yes. I think that it's just because it's a very heavy patriarchal society and mm. men feel superior to women and there's very traditional roles placed on women. You don't expect yes. them to work in a lot of instances. You might not mm. expect them to finish education They're expected mm. to get married. That's the happiest day of their life. And then they have children. And men just feel that they dominate the household. So what we're seeing is every day, at least one woman is being mm. killed solely for being a woman. And it's often mm. by a partner or a family member. And usually it's because she decided to make a decision over her own life and the man could mm -hmm. not handle that and he felt like he should be making the decision so what we see is women saying i want to divorce you and the husband mm. kills his wife or a girl 18 19 years old will say i don't want to marry you i don't want to be in a relationship mm -hmm. with you the man kills her or on often there's honor crimes where Yes. Family members feel that their daughter has betrayed them and brought dishonor to the family name. And the only way they can do that is say, she's no longer associated to us, so we kill her. And it could be for something as simply as wearing makeup or wearing Western clothing. So in the mm -hmm. least, one woman every single day is being killed by men. Sometimes it's up to three women a day. And Turkey doesn't actually collect official data on this. But in 2019 was the highest year and there was 474 women that were confirmed dead due to femicide. So what the challenge mm -hmm. accepted was there was actually a trending case for Pinar Jutekin okay. where she was brutally murdered by an ex-boyfriend. And mm. every so often, even though it happens every day, there's a few mm. cases that really stand out. And she was one of those cases. And I think it's because she was such a modern woman. She was a university student. Mm -hmm. She was a free spirit on Instagram. She loved to mm -hmm. travel. She wore her mini skirts. She was so mm -hmm. relatable. She wasn't the 50 or 60 year old mother in a rural village that a lot of women couldn't relate to. She wasn't married. She was just dating. So when mm -hmm. she was killed for rejecting her ex-boyfriend, I think the country was in huge shock and mm. I can't say that the challenge accepted started in Turkey, but I know it was going viral in Turkey before the rest of the world. And it was yeah. going viral because we're so used to seeing these black and white images on our TV screens and on our mobile phone mm. screens. And we wanted to show support to Pinar Gürtekin to say that this mm. is an issue that all women from all backgrounds in Turkey, no matter your race, your religion, your ethnicity, your economic standing, every yeah. woman in Turkey goes through some type of abuse by a man. And the World Health Organization states that 38% of Turkish women will experience abuse from a partner. So sure. this was a really heavy issue. And while Pinar Gutekin's photos were trending all over social media, so were black and white images of Turkish women showing support. So technically, woman empowering woman saying, this could be mm -hmm. me too. This could be the next picture that you see. And no one is able to escape from this tragedy. Wow. No, it's, I mean, what you, the, the numbers that you're sharing, the numbers that, that you've just quoted, I mean, I'm thinking about 
some of the numbers that have been quoted in South Africa about, uh, I mean, we also have such a really high number of femicide that's taking place, whether it's by a partner, boyfriend, husband, stranger, and the numbers keep going up. I mean, there have been different names that have been quoted. I mean, like Karabo Mugwena that took place in 2018, and there was another student in UCT who had just literally just gone to the post office. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And, and it's, it was so shocking and chilling that when, when it happens, it's, it's, it's so... It's so intense. I mean, I remember when Uyinane passed away, um, she was a student who, who went into the post office and the reaction was so devastating because I think a lot of people when we were following the story when she had gone missing, we were all hoping that it wasn't going to be the ending that we thought it would be in the end, what it turned out to be in the end. And it was that hoping against hope. And I remember when the news came out that she had passed away and her body had been found. The reaction, um, it, it just, a lot of people were devastated, both men and women. And then the, the conversation became, okay, so look, we've had these murders taking place, whether it's a little girl, whether it's an older woman, whether it's a grandmother or a mother, whether it's a teenager, what is our police system doing what is our government doing because but i mean the numbers have been so crazy i mean between 2018 and 2019 i mean the police alone recorded nearly 178,000 crimes against women and the numbers keep going up especially now with um the corona um with covid-19 as well as lockdown we've seen the numbers go up in terms of gender-based violence Um, cases and reports that have been coming through because where does a woman go when you know the the perpetrator and her abuser is in the house that she lives in and the 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 hashtags do come up and I remember when challenge accepted came up and when I learned what it meant and I one of the things that I've, I've always seen and appreciated is that how when it's time to galvanize the troops, um, we're good. I mean, in terms of women and some very progressive thinking men, they're also part of the part of um, the efforts to to fight this and change what's happening. And in my mind, I've always thought, okay, so social media activism brings about the awareness, but then how do how do we take that awareness on social media and make it more of a practical thing, like? What, what do we do? How do we do it? Where do we go? How do we, how do we start mobilizing the troops on the ground? And how has it been in Turkey? How has it worked out um, on your end? In Turkey, once everything started to go viral, so that was another thing, mm-hmm. was at that time, mm-hmm. Turkey was planning to back out of the Istanbul Convention, which is a European mm-hmm. treaty that has laws in place to protect women from violence Mm. so everybody was wait they were going to back out yes they were the first to sign and they were planning to be the first to back out of it so everybody was in uproar like like there's no laws to protect women how are you taking this How, how are you doing this so yeah. that's, again, why that was one of the hashtags that were left off when mm. this challenge went viral because it was in Turkish. People 
didn't know what it meant, but it says the Istanbul Convention saves lives. And so that was left out. And what I saw was once this just went viral and blew up the way it did, Mm. so many different international Mm. media platforms were covering the news. And I felt that Turkey Mm -hmm. saw the pressure and said, okay, everybody's Mm -hmm. watching us and this is a really bad move if we back out. So they said they're actually going to stay in it for now. And when they do back out of it, they will make amendments to still actually keep laws to protect women, but just in a different way. So that's the positive of what social media awareness can do effectively. Yes. And then on terms of like a personal level, it's really hard to say Mm -hmm. because patriarchy comes in so many different layers. Me personally, I, you know, Mm -hmm. I manage a foundation. I have a lot of sway with our family holding. My next move is to make paid menstrual leave for women to have at least one or two days a month. If a woman chooses to say, I can't work, Mm -hmm. I need to work from home or I just need to take the day off. It should not count as a sick day. So that's what I'm trying to do now. And I think that everybody has different platforms that are unique to them and different skills. And they just have to find ways to leverage equality between genders. Wow. I mean, look, I'm so rooting for you. I think that's important in terms of paid period leave. Um, it's an important thing and it's it's really great that you, you're going to try and do that. And I hope you succeed, cross fingers. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And, and I mean, I agree with you in terms of everybody can use the platform that they have. Um, but I think one of the, the, the things that I read when I was doing a bit of research about you is that um, when you, as, as a black woman, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't, you don't shy away to say that you are a black woman. Like that's just, that's, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And how have you, how have you been able to, like, I'm trying to frame this question correctly. <laughs> I mean, one of the quotes was, um, I'm a black woman. I come from a black woman. And for you, that's just simple as that. Mm-hmm. So fighting for the rights of a woman, it's, it's, it's a definite, that's, that's the thing for you. You're going to do that. And fighting for the rights of a black woman is even more important. But when you are of mixed heritage, and especially when you come from a culture um, that is very patriarchal, and I remember reading where you had to kind of not force your way to be seen and be taken seriously, um, especially when... It was a case of okay, here's your dad, here's your brother, and then you are introduced as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's a case of oh, okay, oh, okay, Zay Khan, Zay John is there, and he's like, yes, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, recognize my that I'm here. I have a voice. I have a presence. I'm not just going to sit in the background. How have you been able to tackle that in your personal life, and also encourage the the women, especially the young women um, in the sectors that you you are involved in, to also be able to take up space but own that space in the way that they're most comfortable with? I think it's really hard to tackle in the moment. Uh, The best way I know how to do is just results speak for itself. I'm very ambitious. I love what I do at the foundation. And when you're presenting and you present numbers, people can't deny that. And they have to understand that you are the force behind that. But in the moment, it's very, very frustrating just to stand there and so people think that you're doing nothing but being pretty or you do look attractive or young or you might be vain because of your outfit choice for the day. So 
they just think that you don't have a brain and because you don't have a brain you're just taking up space in the worst way like you're just a seat filler wow. so it's very frustrating yeah. and i think that is one of my biggest motivating factors that gives me fuel to actually fight against the pair patriarchy and really get my name known and it's really important for yes. me when i go to schools for girls to understand that i am you know head in charge i was very fortunate to be named after my grandmother and the foundation is named after oh, my wow. grandmother so people young girls see wow. me and they say oh it's the Gurdip and Sage John Yildirim Foundation and you're Sage John Yildirim mm -hmm. how did you get in this position how did you start your own foundation wow. how can i be like yeah. you so they are actually seeing firsthand it might be the only time yeah. they see a woman in charge wow wow that's that's actually quite powerful thank you it's, it's a lot of responsibility, oh, wow. okay. but it is exciting to be able to represent, to show representation. No, and, and no, I, I love that. I mean, because the thing is, like, I mean, in terms of your social media and what you share, you're you. And people can, you know, either be able to, to appreciate that you're being authentically yourself, um, but you're also sharing a part of who you are. And you can't necessarily say, Zaijan just needs to be this one particular um, one linear person there's so many different dimensions of who you are and it also adds value to the work that you do and the people's lives that you touch and that's important to remember and I think people always like to compartmentalize especially if you're a woman and if you're a woman in a position that you are people like to say okay you're going to be this person because we're comfortable with you being this mm -hmm. person and that's it yeah so it's it's quite an interesting thing that you're saying but um, for you, in terms of your work, I mean, in what ways do you think the global community can stand together in matters concerning gender-based violence or femicide? Because we, we hear the stats, we see the stories, wherever, wherever you are in the world, you hear the numbers. I mean, we were exposed to what's happening um, in Turkey. Um, I mean, the Turkish community as well as everybody wherever else, they know what happens in South Africa. And we now we currently know what's happening in Nigeria with MSARS, in the Congo, with Black Lives Matter. And with social media, there's such an awareness and there's a way to connect and be able to support one another. Um, but on a matter such as gender-based violence and femicide, how how would you like to see in a perfect world for you know a person like me in South Africa? connecting with you like how can I further your message in my community in my space and vice versa because I really feel that we aren't isolated in our experiences mm -hmm. and in the way that we can share our stories and the way that we can share what we experience or what the next person experiences is a way to say you're not you're not alone there are resources there are spaces that you can go into um, there are safe spaces for you to be in. And as you say, like a lot of the time in the patri patriarchal society that we live in, we never, I don't think we ever think that you'll find yourself in a situation where you are faced with confronting patriarchy. Mm -hmm. um, and it comes in various degrees, right? So when, when you do see it, when you do experience it, firstly, it's like a sensory shock. Um, but then how do you now say, okay, you know what, where are my resources? Where do I go? Who do I connect with? Um, and how do I 
empower myself Mm -hmm. to ensure that I learn as much as I can and empower myself to the extent where if you need to walk away, you can walk away and be, and and safely do it. We pray it Mm -hmm. safely. Um, How do you see it all, you know, coming together one day at a time, of course. It's it's really honestly hard to know because like I mentioned, there's so many different layers at the workplace. If you're hearing Mm -hmm. a sexist joke, don't laugh with them. Mm. Don't entertain it. Speak up, have a voice and say mm. that this is offensive to me as a mm. woman. When you are at a social setting mm. and someone expects you to serve guests because you're the only woman in the household and mm. you don't know them either, don't conform and say, okay, I am the woman of the house here and there's no other woman. Let me do this. I think it's all about women standing up for themselves and knowing that they have a voice and they can choose to say yes or no. Right now, a lot of women are afraid to say no to men because unfortunately in Turkey, Mm -hmm. they're getting killed when that happens. And it's, it's really tough, but I think we just need to hear more women share their stories and have more empathy. And I think when men especially empathize, that's, when a lot of change can happen because usually leadership positions are taken by men. So we need them to open up the boardroom seats to more women. We need them to be able to change the laws in the country because there's no female politicians there to do so. We need them as a CEO Mm -hmm. to say, okay, let's have HR implement better practices for gender equality. So it's actually about convincing more men just because women and men are not quite equal yet. Women are not in leadership. And when they're not in leadership, you can't expect them to do change on a macro level. And what would you say to the women who are gatekeepers of patriarchy and who will like literally fight you to the very end when you are trying to speak out and speak up for yourself and for other women because it's I mean the reality is there are some women who who hold it strong and they will you know fight you to the end fight against patriarchy to the end or again no they'll fight you they'll fight you and you're the one who's yeah yeah I mean it's it's really tough because a lot of women Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people don't do inner work within themselves so they're used to not confronting and running away from their problems and I think sometimes it's easier for women to convince themselves that they are actually equal instead of saying that there's a problem and they need to fix it because a lot of people are scared of the hard work and a lot of people just want to feel validated and to feel accepted by society so if a man says you know gender inequality doesn't exist and a woman says absolutely all of a sudden that man is giving her a high five because he agrees and she feels wanted so it's hard to know why there's women fighting other women for this issue and it's very complex but I think in the end it's every time change has come it's because people have fought against the opposition no matter who they were and year after year you see small Mm -hmm. changes add up and what I tell people all the time is don't be afraid to share news on social media because that's helping. The more people share, the more people are aware, the more empathy is coming. We can never expect change to happen overnight. There was once a time where alcohol was prohibited, but now we just see it as a normal drink. So a lot of oh, yeah, a lot of people say, why are you fighting for this? You can't change anything. It will never happen. But I tell them, you know, women were able to vote because of women standing up for that right the same for black people being able to vote and just not be segregated and be integrated into society there's so many different things that people 
where mm. they had to fight the opposition for, but now they're granted those rights. And we look back on it and think it's so normal, but actually that's the way everything starts. Mm. And gender equality is no different. That's so true. And speaking on in terms of the the, the black um, the black rights, I mean, how do you feel about the Black Lives um, Matter? What's been happening in the states? What's happening globally as well? Because I think it's not just a an issue that's taking place in America. There's you can take that and pretty much place it in different parts of the world where Black mm-hmm. people are. Um, and how have you? How have you experienced it and had the conversations with people um, in Turkey? I think a lot of it is just ignorance. People can't relate to the pain that Mm -hmm. Black people experience. They say, I don't see color. You're dark, but I don't think racism exists or it doesn't exist the level that you say it because Mm -hmm. it's not their firsthand experience. So my recommendation is always watch a slave movie and see how brutal it was. And then let's have the conversation But Mm. a lot of people, I think, just don't know the history, so they can't understand the pain. What bothers me is when you say Black Lives Matter, people say, well, all lives matter. And of course, all lives matter, but they can't Mm. matter unless Black Lives Matter. So unfortunately, I think this BLM movement is shedding a light on Mm. a lot of racism around the world and also subtle racism because people think that, well, I have Black friends, so I'm not racist, but you're saying things like all lives matter or you're gaslighting. So people don't realize that racism has different degrees and levels, but um, it's very sad just how divided the world has come. Yes. I I mean, I hear you when you, with regards to um, how people are saying all lives matter, because when Black Lives Matter, it came up in the States and it was just the conversation was taking place here in South Africa as well. A lot of different sectors, especially one of the the areas in terms of sports, um, where, you know, one of the cricketers, one of the national, former national team cricketers, he actually came out and said, you know what, he's, he believes and he's 100% behind um, Black Lives Matter because he's experienced within the national team and he shared that, you know, how there was a time when um, when they were going from a game, he wouldn't take the bus. He'd put the team bus, he would put his stuff in the, in the bus, but he'd like, no, I'll run back to the hotel. But it wasn't because he just felt like warming up or warming down after a game or before the game. Things were so segregated in a sense and it was so he felt it he felt that there was the there was the 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 group of senior white players um where he was one of the very few if not the only black person who was there and there was always that thing where he had to go above and beyond and prove his worth and why he actually deserves a place in the team but those subtle things where even if it's a team photo everybody looks happy and smiling and it just you know it looks amazing but he said behind closed doors even at the simplest things of just being on that team bus he just he didn't want to be in there because he felt like he wasn't welcome and the way people reacted it was so divided there were people who were saying well why didn't he speak up then why is he only speaking up now or oh no but you know it wasn't that bad especially one of his former teammates who was saying no but it wasn't that bad he read it wrong he understood it wrong and the frustration I remember for me was that people 
especially people who are kind of just discounting what he was saying, it, for, for me, it was a case of it's not their story. It's Absolutely. his story. It's his journey. It's his experience and what he's had to battle and work through because I can't even imagine the psychology behind it because it's just, it, it must be so intense and just so frustrating and things that you have to kind of pump yourself up with just to show up and to just go above and beyond just to keep proving that you are worthy mm-hmm. of a spot on the national team. Whereas someone who is white, they could have a bad day, but they'll still be on the national team the next day. And you have one mishap mm-hmm. and get dropped. And the, the back and forth was so intense and so insane because a lot of, the, a, a lot of people just didn't get it or didn't choose to get it. And they didn't, want to engage in order to understand and their rebuttal was like no but all lives matter and it's like yes all lives matter but in this particular instance we're talking about black lives and the black experience and it just oh it just kept going round and round in circles and the more people came out from the national team who were talking about that experience and even in in subtle ways like you say in terms of the workplace there are people in 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 the space that I'm in who are talking about, but guys, this is what happens in the, in the corporate space. And when client meetings take place, when you are in a meeting with um, seniors or team members, there's those microaggressions where you need to pull a, a, a Kamala Harris mm-hmm. where you say, you know, no, no, hang on a mm-hmm. second. I'm speaking, <laughs> you know, hear me out. You had your turn. And Oh, I think for me, there, there are times when I'm exhausted of doing that because you you want to keep fighting, you see a bit of improvement and then you 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 have a comment that's made and you're like, but how did mm-hmm. we get here again? Like, I thought we were moving forward, yeah. right? But we got to keep doing it. We've got to keep pushing forward. We've got to make sure that, you know, the the generation that comes after us and the generation that's come after them their realities are need, need, need to be different. Their fights need to be different, mm-hmm. hopefully. I somehow. agree. Uh, and um, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, back to the, the femicide um, and the difficulties in fighting that, it's like how have different civil society groups um, taken a stand to fight the safe, for the safety of women and to also seek justice, especially um, with what's happening There's a lot of different groups online that are daily posting yeah. the femicide cases and murders that are happening yeah. and also just abuse cases. Yeah. I think in this era, social media is so important and organizations yes. understand that and that's how you get the word out. So they're constantly just sharing yeah. videos, news, monthly reports, daily okay. reports, suspicious deaths that police yeah. are not saying, but then they actually protest, organize yeah. protests. Every day there's um, different yeah. protests announced in different cities. And there's an organization That's that I like a lot, which is called Morcha Tivakva, which translates to the Purple Roof Women's okay. Foundation. And they give a safe okay. space for women to go to once they leave an abusive family or a partner and they can go there with their children wow. and they can have beds. They get legal counseling, psychological counseling, mm. just different resources mm. available to them, which is really important because a lot of judges, they're the ones yes. who are making the decisions for what happens to the man after he kills a woman. 
And it's up to that specific person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times there's no rule of law. So it's completely up to the judge to say, Mm -hmm. okay, six years or 18 years. There's no law stating that murder for this reason is X amount of years. And so lawyers Mm -hmm. also have this patriarchal mindset and they're not really fighting for their clients. So what they offer is unbiased clients if you know that woman needs it or just letting them know of their rights and Mm -hmm. showing them the right path to take so when they do go into the judicial process okay they they know exactly how to navigate that situation so there are different resources available for women but there's not Mm -hmm. enough it's very limited wow i I mean look it's it's just it's just i want to say it's a start but there's even for, for here in South Africa, there are organizations that do this um, similar things and there's always more that can be done. And I mean, I, I look at what many organizations do and what a lot of women do who are in those um, organizations or even who just help out. They, they're always sharing information. Like you say, there's always the protest. Um, even if it's just somebody that they don't know, they just hear about it, they just show up. Um, they're supportive to the family and even when you know the justice system mm-hmm. the wheels turn slowly they still show up and they still make sure that you know the families have the support that we mm-hmm. that we don't forget the names you know of of the people who've passed away because they have families they've got Absolutely. they come from people who cared Absolutely. and loved from um, who loved them and we need to just remember who they are and what mm-hmm. what they represent in a society that we're trying to change um, but for somebody who's listening and who is in a difficult situation in terms of domestic violence, um, you know, fighting a patriarchal space, yeah. whether it's at work, whether it's at home, and they're just trying to find a way, you know, for themselves to just get through the day, to find the strength of reaching out, of having a plan. Um, what would I you would say tell to them, them to not be afraid because there are so many women who are fighting the same issue mm-hmm. and social media and the internet mm-hmm. is a place where many women do come together and they do share their stories and there are people who mm-hmm. care and they are listening. So if they just upload a video or mm-hmm. just reach out to different organizations, there's so many people out there who want to help and will ensure them a safe entry out of that relationship. And I think that they should just be courageous enough to start a new life instead of fearing it. Wow. Sure. That's, yeah, courageous enough to start a new life. I love that. Okay. And it's possible. I mean, there's, there's many women who've been able to do it. So I think that's, that's sound advice. Zayjan Yildirim, thank you so much. I'm so glad. You have no idea. I feel like I want to jump up and down because I'm I'm so glad. It went better than I thought because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to stumble on words. Like it just, yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad that it went well. Thank you. I <laughs> hope um, I hope the You're information amazing. is helpful. And if there's anything I need to like redo or re-say, mm. I'm completely open. No, it was perfect. It was perfect. Like I said, I think there's there's a way to kind of bridge the the divide mm-hmm. and the gap, and just to keep, you know, just to keep people like just to remind people that we're all connected mm-hmm. we are a global community there's always um someone to reach out to there's always a resource to if it's not in south africa then mm-hmm. it's in turkey or in america or in another part of the world um in the 
in the society that we live in, in the world that we live in, information Absolutely. is always available. So we just need to reach out and connect. But thank you so much for joining Sister with Our Conversations. Yeah, I'm, ex- officially I'm part excited. Of I'm, I'm really hoping it goes well. And I hope a lot of people <laughs> tune in and everything just, you know, kicks off for you. I know yeah. that you're waiting for that moment and I'm praying that it's soon.